0: everyone to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host today. Don't forget to keep following along. You can go to discopossepodcast.com, get show notes, links, and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And with that, let's get started. All right. And we're live. This is a, uh, this is going to be a fun one. I'm super excited because we've had a ton of stuff going on lately. Uh, for, uh, welcome aboard for those who've already listened. My name is Eric Wright. I'm the host here at the disco posse podcast and I have a co-host podcast extraordinaire. Uh, Rob Hirschfeld. Rob has been with, uh, on my show a couple times. I've been on his and the latest Shiny podcast. Uh, Rob, let's get you introduced and reintroduced and, and make sure we know where we can find you and the latest Shiny and all things that you're doing. And then we're going to talk about, oh boy, the landmines of embracing commercial open source. (laughs) I I have my frame retardant, uh, space diaper ready
1: to go. The, so my name is my name is Rob Hirschfeld I'm CEO and co-founder of a company called rack n uh, and we produce a product that's based on commercial open source open core software called digital rebar uh, that, that does physical infrastructure provisioning so underlay uh, something that came out of work that my team started ten years ago now in the open OpenStack and uh, Hadoop communities called crowbar out of Dell um, where we felt that data centers um, were beautiful things and all, all slightly different, and that made them really hard to automate. And so we've been working diligently for years now to create a consistent, repeatable automation that doesn't require people to all buy the same hardware or buy specialized hardware or use you know, specialized networking. So digital rebar is this abstraction layer if you will, at the physical, it's not virtualized. it actually just makes you automate physical layer gear. Um, and so that led us in some ways to the latest Shiny, which is Leetspeak, L8IST-SH9Y, um, that I co-host with Steven Spector, uh, who works for uh, Ericsson with the Edge Gravity Group, where we are exploring um, edge infrastructure, automation, topics, open source, um, you know, Kubernetes, all sorts of you know DevOpsy type stuff that's relevant to that. Uh, because a lot of what Digital Rebar and Rackend does is pursue both enterprise work where we have um, a lot of fun experiences with customers, and then uh, we we're built for edge and zero-touch autonomous data centers. Whew, that was long. Um, the, and I hope people join, you know, come into the latest shiny. We really do. We find uh, guests talking deeply about edge and open source. And these are our favorite topics. And you'll find some really uh, great talks about it, including one with you, Eric, where uh, we talked about uh, enterprise sales models of all things.
0: Yeah, it was funny. That one one was very interesting. I I had a I had like kind of an interesting, uh, a mixed approach to it. We, we sussed a lot of stuff out on the podcast coming out of there, I actually shared the article internally with my own team at work. And I said like, Hey, here's a really neat article. And this is funny. It actually, they came back with like, Nope, stop reading at paragraph three it looked like <sighs> somebody who's angry at sales. And I was like, ah, interesting. But that was you know a, a whole thing to unpack unto itself was that, Luke's approach was very much like the the technologist founders thing of like building something and approaching enterprise sales. It was neat. It was funny. We can we 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 should do a whole rehash on that one in a little while on on how that comes into play depending on who the audience is. So you know, yours Mm -hmm. and my take on it was really fundamentally different than some of the others. And so this is probably the right segue to to when we talk about open source. Uh, you know, commercially backed and open source commercial, you know, core, open core. Oh boy. You know, what spawned the love for wanting to have this conversation again? Cause we have it all the time. You and I and, and many folks in our community open distro for elastic. It was announced by uh, Adrian Cockroft over at, at AWS. Uh, and it, it created. Excitement, anger, uh, it was, it was like the seven stages of depression got played out in front of us in amongst (laughs) open source advocates. And I saw what I could only describe as like just pure vitriol against like, this is why you can't have good things in open source. I'm like, this is, this is a good thing in open source. I, so I was really torn. I'm like, I'm going to let everybody have their hot take moment. And I'm like, I'm gonna find Rob and we're gonna talk about <laughs> what we what we see is the once the dust settles and the hot takes are over, Leo, you know, let's rant cast this bad boy out. Oh uh, so what do you think? What do you think about it?
1: Oh boy, I, I think it's an indication that open source models and why open source models I mean actually mean open source buyers, um, are seriously flawed right now. Um in some very significant ways. And and I would click a level deeper and say, I think software in general, the software markets are in are in much deeper trouble than people want to admit. Um, and this is an indication of that problem. Um, and so I, I, I think that you you can't talk about this open source. And this, this is where I'm very different, actually, Eric, than, than a lot of people in industry because I think that it's not just an open source problem. It's actually a software marketplace problem uh, in this case and how we deliver software and buy software and innovate on software because you, you really can't decouple this open source dilemma, right? Because we're not just talking about the elastics. We're talking about um, Redis. We're talking about um, what's the other one? I can't believe I'm forgetting it.
0: Yeah, there's been a few lately. Definitely, Redis been, was one that was, it's, was called it's like out as a specific that had like a license change and a, a, But but yeah, it's, there. There's a few other examples for sure. Right, but but these are but the, but the problem they're having is that SaaS is eating their lunch.
1: Uh, you're like, you know, three years ago, I was at a meeting hosted by a VC where Adrian was talking and basically said, um, the way to monetize open source is through a SaaS. And basically, we're just pushing everybody into SaaS as, as oh, if, you know, if you're going to protect your IP, do it with a SaaS, force people to pay for the service. Um, and that in itself is troubling, right? You look at what Amazon's doing um, and they, boy, the simple, I'll give you the hot take on this. Amazon does what Amazon does. They're the, you know, they're the scorpion stinging the the wolf in a way. Um you know, helping across the river, it's it's like, look, there's a lot of money here for our customers want want to pay us for your product. If we can't, if, you know, either we're going to take it, <laughs> we're going to clone it, or we're going to fork it. Um, and this is, and but this isn't just open source. This has been the, the model for Amazon with cool things in the Amazon cloud for a long time, right? That was the joke. It's like, oh, I've got a cool service on Amazon. The next reinvent, you're going. Amazon's going to announce their competitive service with open source. We've just made it easier.
0: Yeah, we we basically gave them the code. Here you go. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Uh, make this awesome and sell it. <laughs> and and it's if this isn't Amazon hate. You know, this isn't like Amazon
1: is some evil corporate behemoth that's different than any other. You know market that we've had you know VMware was accused of doing the same thing Microsoft was doing the same thing you you create a platform with enough lock-in and enough momentum and enough customer base and your instinct is oh I can offer that service I have you know way more developers I have you know heartbeat on the customers why would
0: I not make it part of my platform? And it opens up the door to this problem of, like, we – I say we, the general open community sometimes pushes back against corporate contributors – and so I said, well, if you if you hmm. don't let someone come into your treehouse, then don't be angry that they built a beautiful, better treehouse right next to you. And then everybody else goes to their treehouse now. And you're like, but, but wait, we've got the we were developing a community treehouse here. You're like, well, now they are. This is not even taking it and going commercial. They've taken it and they've gone open source. With an iteration or a fork of a product, I could say. Ah,
1: like- but but hold on a second, because there's 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 a couple of really interesting places this conversation can go. Because we also have the foundation and the community side to it. But you're you're on what Amazon did with Elastic specifically. So Elastic, to monetize their their open source project, because there is we have a, a different industry problem where people look at open source as free software and they do not think. Oh, I better be paying into this this software to sustain it. We have a tendency to say there is no there's no gate that keeps makes me pay for it. Um, so therefore I must, I, you know, I, I don't. Um, which is that's a that's a different industry problem where we're we're not focused on how do we sustain software we depend on. In this case, Elastic had added proprietary components as gates to force people. To pay for software that they were sustaining, um, right? Once once again, this is the challenge in, in open source: is that you you end up having to provide gates to, to draw to trigger payment. Those are usually proprietary. That's what Racket does. It's what I was just looking at GitLab. That's what GitLab's doing. That's a whole bunch of people. It's open core model. Um, and what Amazon basically did was say, "Well, those open those those private things are really valuable. Our customers want them. It's inhibiting." They're using Elastics on our platform. Uh, we will copy them, and and then they didn't just copy them and offer them as Amazon alternatives. They open source them to basically re- dilute the the barrier, the you know, the cost, the the, <laughs> the, the 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 funding barrier that Elastics was using to force people to pay, because um, Amazon doesn't need to pay. For generate money on the software license, they generate money on the hosting, on the service providing.
0: Yeah, it becomes the neat thing of like where the revenue will come from that will drive utilization. You know, it's it's fundamentally different. And and it's Mm -hmm. a tough one. Like I'm really... I don't know. I'm a free market fan, so I'm torn. You know, it's uh, there, despite the love that we should all, you know, go to one source and, and build one thing, eventually there will be a, a way for, like you said, they're, they're sort of gated from doing stuff in, they can't do what they need to do in the open platform. So they went it out, went out about it on their own. And I know I, I'm, I'm always torn because I applaud both both sides, but you know it's it will sort itself out, and the market will the market will prove where the value is. And on AWS, of course, they've got momentum and they've got a customer base. They didn't do this by accident. They didn't say like, "Ooh, I've got a neat idea to do something out of the like a wild idea." Like, no, this is right. it's demanded in by active customer need.
1: And this is actually one of the things in 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 my thinking about this before the call. Is there right? We love to talk about. And I was on a Twitter debate uh, with somebody about right. The engineers developing the code—they're the heroes with the capes and flying through the air—and the engineers and the engineers and the engineers writing the open source code. And and yes, those are important. And sometimes they're very passionate. My team's very passionate about what we do. Um, we still have to eat and house ourselves, and, yeah. and gotta and, feed and, those heroes, and, and, buy, and you know, and, and in America, buy health insurance and and other things. And um, uh, you're Canadian, so I, I know that that's not a concern for you. Um, sorry, political digs. Uh, <laughs> Taking or leave, them. the exactly. um, the but but here's but here's the thing. We we really we were like, oh, it's you know, open source code, and it's the code, but it's not just the code. We have taken years to understand the problem, to build it in a way that was easy to use so that people could understand it, that, you know, that we actually prove the market. Right. There's one of the things that, that Elastic has done that really gets, you know, when you just think of it as open source code really undermines it is they have described the problem and made the problem approachable in a way that is valuable to their community. It's not just they have code. The, the the way that people are solving problems using their platform is actually the much harder thing to figure out. Code code is hard to write and takes time, but it's, it's learning how to apply code to a problem space that's really valuable. And Amazon is now showing up and saying, oh, thank you for figuring that out for me. I know that took five or 10 years or to figure all that stuff out and make it really obvious and easy. We're just going to take it. Um
0: yeah. Thanks for that. That's a thanks for uh, that thing. <laughs> Redis,
1: is, Redis is the same thing, right? This is where in a lot of cases, these projects have worked for years to be able to describe and fix their problem in a simple way. And when, when somebody shows up and says I'm mad at you for making me pay for that because the code is open, you're like, but the years of research and development that I put into that, uh, you you know, uh, now's the, you know, I'm, now I'm supposed to recoup that benefit. Um, and so, you know, we don't, we don't think about things that aren't software that way. If if physical gear you buy, right. A service is you're paying for the service as you go. And if Amazon improves their efficiency in delivering the service, everybody, you know, claps and stands up and says, you are a hyperscaler. Good job on, on creating economies of scale. I will pay you. I will continue to pay you as if you didn't have them. Um, But software is a different, a strangely different animal because it doesn't cost anything to manufacture.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, it's it's a very tough, intangible thing when we try and look at that, that cost of building, maintaining, and... You know, and, and again, like you said, like, you know, hyperscaler being the, the thing we attach to, you know, if Amazon's doing this thing, they're obviously going to draw more people towards it. And then that increases innovation. It, it's now is the core, like that's the open source idea is that very same thing, right? If you open it up to a larger community, then the community, you know, builds together. They build towards, you know, multiple goals, which be we find common goals and it do so mm-hmm. it, on its face. The, the, it should work better. It should be this whole idea of the peloton of, of developments that we will move better as a group than any single person could. But the downside is what happens when that peloton reaches a decision point and they have to decide on a feature set. And all of a sudden we end up with this thing of, you know, should this be a commercial thing? Should, th- should we say that this is, you know should this be a plug in versus in core like once a thing reaches a certain size that's a different problem you know but ultimately those decisions get made you know versus aws you know or a, a commercially backed platform can just say like all right we've got product management and and this is it and we're going to make harsh decisions in a um, an idea meritocratic way which is a seemingly unpopular thing all of a sudden because it means that someone has to hear the word no uh or that yes we're going to do this despite general some objections in the community cuz there's a greater demand for this and so therefore we got to run with the direction of the ball yeah
1: the the idea with meritocracies being bad and actually we, I I did a podcast coming up on that um with Rocky Gruber which is amazing um and we 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 actually spent an hour talking about that um, worth listening to, um,
0: I, let me, let me, let me, let me. I, I, can tell you it's worth listening to in advance of you have a great view on a ton of that stuff. And it's, it's a conversation we all need to listen to and have. Yeah. I've, I've seen some toxic behaviors,
1: um, where we, uh, dismissed market, um, market views, um, based on this basically, um, in the open stack community, we had this idea that sounded really great with this big tent, but what they were doing is they would pick a single project. So whoever came in first, whoever was buddies with the leaders would say this, I am the, I am the way to do something. Um, and then the community said, Oh, we've picked a way to do that, which is not actually letting good things go. And then sometimes what would happen is somebody would raise a flag that they wanted that they were going to they were going to do something and then they would have to go build it when alternatives existed in the market but they weren't written in python or they weren't written you didn't have the right license or they were commercial
0: <gasps> and, oh, <no. laughs> and and
1: would require somebody to pay for them to use them or were free but required payment for certain use cases um, and in those cases we they you know they basically excluded them from from the from the community. And this is why I get I, I think, you know, the idea is should be like the best things win. But um, appointing people to be the decided the decision makers can be can be sort of risky. It's the same. This is the same thing with the Peloton concept, which I love. Um, and let me explain Pelotons a little bit just for the audience
0: yeah good call sorry i just like dove right into a cycling reference and the <laughs> didn't even really you know pull on what the idea is there so so in in the in a in a, in a peloton when
1: you're when you're cycling together uh, you can get right behind another bike and draft that bike so that the the wind of moving moving through the air uh, creates pockets where if bikes are following each other the lead bike has to break the air but the bikes behind it uh, just like when birds flock um, get a much easier ride so they can draft and and basically conserve energy. And then a, a team will actually rotate that lead position so that different people are doing the hard work and some people come in and coast behind. And then there's strategies where you can exclude people from, you know, you can go right to the edge of that envelope and not allow other teams into your wind breaking. And into into that, there's a word, there's a Peloton word for that, that um, scrum or that, what hor- I don't know what they call it. Um, but, but you can literally create exclusions for, um, a, you know, a, a group, you know, exclude people from your group so that some people are getting it easy and some people are getting it hard, which is exactly one of the challenges with like a big SaaS platform or something like that. You can, there's, you know, being on Amazon or Google or Microsoft or Salesforce or anybody, if you're using their services, you're drafting. Um, and if you're, if you're trying to do something else, you're not. And it's a lot more work, Um, but then that creates an innovation burden, where uh, you know if I'm trying to do you know just like for what we do, if if we're out without with you know there's nobody drafting for for rack end. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you are you are always on the front, and we're we're always right. So we're always
1: pedaling super hard, and so it would be it'd be really cool to be like you know nestled under. OpenStack or Amazon or LF, you know, foundation or something like that. But we're not. We're we're out there pedaling on our own. Um uh and there's some reasons why that that happens. Um and this is the case, right? Elastic, going back to Elastic, they broke in the wind, they did all the pedaling, they did all that work. Um and uh, you know, it's people are drafting in behind them. Um, in the, the in the, that's how, that's how I would, that's how I would feel if I was, if I was them and watched somebody take proprietary code, clone it, and then offer it to their customers after I'd broken the wind to get yeah.
0: this far. Well, and the interesting thing is to, to take that one step further to the competitive Peloton thing. If you look in a multi day, like a multi-stage race, uh, where you have teams that are riding, when the winner of the overall, so the leader of the overall who wears that sort of leadership jersey, they are responsible. It's like an unspoken responsibility that they will lead and take the wind for the next day. Like, so the, when, even though they're in the lead, they could just pull in behind and ride the wave. No, they actually are, are, if you, they do that, they will basically get shunned for having yes. done so. So same thing happens in in software. When you when so AWS having mm-hmm. done what they've done now if we look at Open Distro or look what Elastic did that's great. They took the lead, but because they took the lead, they can't just let it go and then let the world build it for them and then come back in at the end and snipe the the sort of the you know, spotlight and say like hey, look what we all did together. Like no, no, there's a great responsibility that comes with leading that that Peloton's an interesting, you know, it, I, I could put sport analogies for cycling into just about anything, but this is one of the most relevant ones because it's not just a one-day thing. Like it it is truly a, a multi-stage process of watching stuff become commercially accepted, broadly used. Then you get the idea of like, well, can we let somebody come in and, and drive contributions or drive direction, even though you know, we're concerned that they're doing it for maybe selfish reasons. Like, I, mm-hmm. if that selfish reasons means that you're getting more customers using this platform, bring on the selfish reasons. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I kinda like that. So this, I is,
1: this is the right the, commercializing your software is not a selfish reason. Um, and this, this to me is one of the things that, that was such a struggle in some of the open communities I've been in where, right, I mean, the people using the software don't wanna pay more for it. Um, but we're, we're, we are we're came from this era with Oracle, right, of, you know, lock-ins and huge prices and yachts and and sort of, and, you know, even VMware is considered, right, you know, they're making, they're, they're printing money. Um, and for some reason, we decided that that wasn't cool. Um, but we actually, like, in, in, you know, some of the, you know, I, I guess I should just say OpenStack, right? OpenStack was not commercial-friendly. If you were trying to monetize something in, in OpenStack, they were they were not happy about it. They were like, "Oh, you can do it as a consulting play," um, which is not a scalable model for a software company. It's you know, offering consulting and services on software is is not. Nobody wants that. The customers don't want it. The vendors don't want it. Um, it is it is it doesn't scale, right? I want to write software, and I hope everybody wants to write software. That is easy to use, and people don't need a lot of consulting and handholding and help and training. That they get their jobs done without me feeling like I have to be flying. You know, I have to be your wing person and protecting you all the time. That's not good software. Um, So we we have to be able to say, I do expect you to make money from this software. I, I, you know, and if you're not, I'll, I'll pause for a second. But I have a big if you're not. Uh, eric if, yeah. if 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 you are not expecting to pay for software, then there is nobody sustaining it there's nobody innovating on it there's nobody improving it i'm going to pound my desk pounding
0: yeah that's um, right this is the uh you know i 've got bad news for you you know but this is this is no hot take this is the proven reality that's played out in many open projects and and platforms and mm-hmm. You know, like, we're not making this up. We're not suddenly getting like, I'm not angry about this just now. We've been involved, you and I and many of our peers in these, watching these problems play out, and it's like watching the train driver have a heart attack and slump over the wheel in front of you, and you're all sitting there going, well train's still rolling and I know where it's going, but looks like there's no one's going to be able to make it. I'll, I'll,
1: I'll actually go very specific right through where we have direct experience. So when, when we started the work 10 years ago with, with Crowbar, um, there was a project called cobbler um, still a wide use today that hasn't been maintained for over 10 years. It was dead when we showed up 10 years ago and we're like, wow, this is the thing we need to use. And there was, you know, and I've talked to Michael Dehenne, who's an awesome person. Right. But he was like, no, that's that, no, we're not maintaining it. Um So we showed up and we were like, well, it doesn't do what we need to do. We're, we can't contribute to it. We had issues. We had to build our own thing. Um And in part, because it was open, nobody was, nobody was really extending it right there. There are some minor commits, but it's like two commits a, a month or something. You know, it's like tiny. And, That's not innovating anymore. That's that's not even sustaining. Um, And so you you know when you look at what what has to happen when you look at like what we're doing, um, and we're doing some really significant innovations down at the bare metal level, like really changing the way data centers can be run. Um, And that takes ongoing, constant, sustaining innovation. And that's you know nobody operates data centers for free, so it's. Um,
0: Wait, what? Did, that doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> there's no, there's no tinkering. There, there is no tinkering market in data center or IT ops or things like that. I, I, this is and one of the things I guess maybe somebody's all mad because they're like open source people are just passionate about what they're doing. There are plenty of open source projects. A lot of them are libraries where somebody is you know able to maintain a single person out of a passion project and do something cool in open source or like uh, Audacity. Um, or something like that where it 's like you know i'm i 'm going to keep going it's it 's a one person it 's a one person thing
0: well, and here 's the tough part like all of the the reason why we 've got people with the ability to contribute open source out of their own time is because something else has allowed them to commercially sustain their own life, yeah. and it 's probably another commercial bit of software that they built, or isn 't it like that this it 's very easy for us on the other side of of a successful thing to say that, well, you know, I would have done this anyways had I not had all this. Like, no, no, it's, I don't know, that, that is, that's that weird thing of, you know, the very, when I hear people talk about the value of, of being completely open and, and, you know, poo poo the, the commercial back. And th- that same person is a developer advocate making a quarter of a million dollars a year for a trillion dollar company. I'm, I'm gonna say I applaud that you want to support it, but don't bite the hand that got us this meal. And and mm-hmm. I believe I believe it's a careful dance. I believe it's a, a a responsibility for commercial vendors to be contributing and providing both people and code and ways to you know embrace these products and right, blogs everything. But it's like it's a so the- it's a weird thing. So there was a really good, um,
1: uh, presentation. I, I you and I, sh- I shared it with you so we can put it in the show notes, um, by one of the GitLab, uh, founders, um, around at the open source leadership foundation where they actually described a, one of their customers wanting to contribute code, um, which meant that they paid a consultant to try and write features for GitLab. And, and they were like, it was, it was worse for us than if nothing had happened. <laughs> because,
0: yeah, actually, took
1: them backwards, right? Right. Yeah, I God. mean, like the stuff we do, we would love to have more people contributing, but you know, we do it in the open so that people can see the code and, and understand it and, and look at it. But uh, we don't need another twenty developers writing the core digital rebar. It, it's not it. You know, it's not that type of software, it, and we don't want. I don't. I don't think most software should be that type, right? The core of something should be if you're going to use it, it needs to be stable. Um, and maintained. It's all the pieces and plugins, and we built very extensible stuff. And that, that I'll, and I'm saying that not to promote, uh, digital rebar, but this is the pattern that we see like in Kubernetes where they're like, Oh, API extensions. And so there's a great community and there's a whole bunch of people doing really cool work. That's not in Kubernetes. It's an API extension.
0: Yeah. And that's it. it and that becomes there's the, the difficulty of making the decision of where that engineering effort and where that product choice needs to be made it's uh you know I, i'm excited by the when when you see people reach those decision points they're like ooh, okay you know grab your popcorn and let's see how this one plays <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, but but that works really well i mean I'm, I'm thinking through all these examples right hashicorp
1: um like with their products have cons- have you know sort of consistently started with the oh it's all an integrated thing and then gone oops in terraform specifically and then said oh we have to create a plugin model and they created plugin models so things were separate um so that when people develop plugins they weren't um beholden to hashicorp's compile or code reviews or anything like that um and they they didn't even have to open them or release them in, in sequence or anything like that these are these are all just good software patterns and practices. Um, and, and then like for uh, Elastic, I'll, I'll keep trying to bring us back to Elastic. You know, that's what they did. They had plugins and extension points and things like that. So most users never had to buy the product. But if you were doing enterprise things, you could plug in things that solved enterprise problems. And that became their monetization trigger. Um
0: Which is great. It's uh and again, like I said, we we applaud them for it and and I I just that gets under it's so understated the value of you know, creating something that people will broadly use that can be developed for open use, for Mm -hmm. free use where it's necessary, and at some point you say Okay. I, it would be really neat if you had this thing like, ah, okay. Well, we, we do want to maintain that thing. We do want to create that thing and we're going to build a platform and a company around it. So I'm like, great. You know, it's, and that's where the split begins to occur. And, and what I believe it's in the same way. It's, that's a free market and the, Mm -hmm. the free market will decide as well. If that, if they're not going to buy it, like HashiCorp. You know, look. Let's just say that you know, pick a number, right? Let's say, let's say they have two hundred thousand installations of Terraform. How many of them are paid? A tiny percentage of (laughs) dozen, right? Right. But so that's their responsibility to create an ability, a a thing that's worth paying for, and and they're going to do that.
1: but but I think it's also it's this and this to me is the, the danger, right? Because if you shift the burden to the 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 company who makes the software, which I feel like we've we've done as an industry, then it's easy to shame them for changing their license or something like that. Part of this problem here is that, that as an industry, we have driven the monetizable value of software in a lot of these cases to zero. And because what we're doing is like, oh, it's open. I don't have to pay for it. You're a bum for making me pay for it. Um, and I, I think that that's a sustainability problem. If, if a company feels like they have to open source it um, from a marketing perspective, and then that makes it hard for them to recoup the sustaining cost for running the software because they can't count on goodwill, people, aren't gonna, people never call us up from a goodwill perspective and say, I really want to buy your software. Yeah, that's
0: um, that's generally not a like. Hey, I've been really looking for ways that I can pay for your stuff. Can I do that, please? <laughs> you know,
1: sometimes sometimes we do get people who are like, I can't use I can't use it without a support model, and I I want a support model. Um, but
0: yeah, and, and that it, that's that in itself is you know a. a a, another value stream that people seek, which is why, well, you know, some of the examples we called on are, are able to to create commercial wraparounds to their their open platforms. And, and they do it by creating poison pill licenses, um,
1: right. which, which to me is not particularly attractive. Right. It's what you've done is you've taken a, a open source platform and you've you've tried to make open source contagion. Um, and I'm, I'm not, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. There's another model that people use. Where I was just on a LF Edge call where they were talking about something that was based on Zen Server. And Zen Server's model is basically uh, we time delay the, the releases. So if you want the new stuff, it's 18 months old, um, which is not a great model either, right? What about security patches and, and things like that? And we keep coming back to this um, dilemma of, how do we force people to commercially sustain software that they're using to drive their businesses? Um, right, the phone companies have been really active in OpenStack because they're trying to, you know, they're trying to get away from from being forced to buy licenses. But I don't see them giving me discounts on internet and phone service. Um, right, they're they're not that that's not happening. So it's this very strange thing where things that have to sustain people's business businesses normally get paid for. Um, And we've created this funny
0: market where people have decided they don't have to. Uh, And that actually does highlight the free market doesn't always work in everyone's favor. And there is the potential for, especially telcos and other things that they can use free software and they can use community driven stuff and then they can commercialize it and never, provide, you know, the, they're going to get exponential gains from it and they may provide incremental, you know, know, upstream commits or, or stuff like that. Um, so yeah, there is a chance for it can break. And that's a, that's a, powerful example and unfortunately then it, it forces us to think of like well neither is it's not as it's an, one end of an extreme versus the like fully open and everybody gets together like we grow a community farm like that but guess what community farming not super sustainable or or uh or scalable
1: it's mostly a feel-good yeah. thing let me let me let me break in though because there, there's two there's two scary monsters in in what you just described that I that I think are worth describing, and in, in what I've been coming to realize, maybe both unpopular opinions. Um,
0: Those are the best opinions.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm just just thinking. I'd, I I just walked into a Twitter meme and didn't mean to, but um, one of them is open source is slow. I, I'm sorry. I know people think we're going to have a thousand engineers show up and we're going to row the boat faster than that's not how software gets built. Software is designed. It has to it's intricate. It has to work together. Right. The, you know, open stacks review cues were notoriously problematic. Uh, Kubernetes, same thing, right? You get a lot of developers and something and a lot of reviewers and it's actually hard to land a patch. Um, and then actually in it, you know, and then you've got committees designing things and it's, it's all sorts of stuff. Right. You, you get a small team working together in a close knit way and they, they actually can innovate really quickly. Um, right it's the two pizza team concept from Amazon It's one of the reasons Amazon's so powerful is, is how how quickly they're able to go open source right and and I know somebody's yelling at the mic like, Linux is amazingly in it took oh, exactly 20 <laughs> years for linux to get to this point where it got through i mean t- 10 years of growing pains and and all sorts of you know tinkering and things like that and then it stabilized and then it became a platform of innovation um when it stopped being something that was break it you know it it it, it, there's a life cycle on this stuff and a lot of the open source projects that we're so excited about are not at that phase in the life cycle yet they're going to have to get there slowly over time um and so there but here's here's the two the two scary things um one is that if we aren't making money on software software which is different than a SaaS, so something that you install manage you integrate into your business that, that basically you own as part of your your process is going away because we're not creating financial incentives for people to create software, something that you can buy and own and maintain for your business and be completely involved. What the market has moved to is SaaS as the way that you buy software. And and I know we love it because it's low friction. Um, it's very easy to use. I don't have to worry about all the management and the servers and all that stuff. But the reality is, is that SaaS is a black box. You're dependent on somebody else. You're innovating at their pace. Yes. They've taken a whole bunch of stuff off your plate, but if you don't like the way that, that Amazon is running things and right now they're smarter than most people, so they're doing a better job than you, you're stuck with what they've got and what they've done. Um, this is why Kubernetes is really interesting. It gives it. The good news is
0: you're on a fast. You're on a fast boat. The bad news is if you got if you want to get out, you better be swimming. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Well, well, some at some point,
1: Amazon is going to get to a point where they've got a whole bunch of swimmers on that. They've got a whole bunch of people on that boat. They can only row it as fast as the people who are, you know, the, the majority of the rowers. In some cases, the slower of the majority of the rowers. Um, And I know they keep adding service and doing all sorts of cool stuff, but there is inertia in in the popular consensus. And so when you want to run something yourself, you're, you know, you're going to, you need to be able to own and operate and manage and things like that. And and by saying SaaS is the way we monetize things, we're basically saying, you know, you're not, you know, software, we're not, we're not creating incentives for people to build software that's an independent standalone thing anymore. And that that has me nervous. I've had some. We've done some shows about this. It's ISVs dying, and and sadly, you and I've talked about this. Uh, ISVs, you know, the ISV market is getting really, really hard. It's hard to deliver standalone software. Um, and I think it that, is, uh,
0: and it's the and it and it's like you said, I I it, that'd be a quarterly revisit to that. Like, there's always some other thing that pops up that highlights the 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 exposure we've got when we depend on that kind of thing. But it was, yeah, you know, at the same time, it's. I don't know. Again, it's there's there's incredible swings. And I love the idea that you talked about at some points, you're going at the speed, this exponential innovation. But at some point, once enough people are using it, they actually have to slow it to make sure that you're keeping the greater percentage of the pack at the same pace and not shaving people off the back because you say like, hey, can't support your use case anymore because we had to move faster than you. We have to start collectively moving at a more gentle, but continuously forward pace. It's this
1: is this is a problem with APIs, right? And and I've seen this over and over and over and over again. Is that you get somebody uh, HashiCorp just had this problem with Vagrant, where they tried to come up with a new Vagrant um, because Vagrant has a ton of technical debt in it, and they're like, oh, we 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 now we know better, we're going to switch, and the market basically said meh and and they, they couldn't no, thanks they <laughs> exactly um, and and so what you know when something is successful you can't keep innovating you can't even make you know it, it changes to it and so it's one of the problems with like these big open source you know uh, bandwagons it's like we're you know planning raising a flag and we're going to do all this stuff and then and, and we're going to design the software and people are going to start using it and then then they bandwagon on before it's had the baking and iterated iteration time. You've ba- built used an API and now you're stuck with it. It's really hard to change what Amazon had to change their internal IDs and it took them what two years to change how IDs are generated inside of Amazon. Cause so many people built them into scripts. Um,
0: yeah, that's the, the fun part of, of broad and aggressive adoption suddenly locks you as a creator of of things into like oh oh boy you know and it's not even that whether it's right or wrong like it's it just is what happens you know and sometimes people adopt things in a way you don't expect and all and then now you have to incorporate that into product direction and, and roadmap stuff and like you said it's God api versioning and and all these things there's there's Many many ways to you know to bring forward APIs and to cleanly deprecate stuff, but no matter how much you cleanly deprecate things at some point someone's getting getting knocked off that boat and that's
1: and, and this that's this helpful. to me is one of the things about open source and commercial open source that people should think about more more a, a company and a commercial value like ROI and profit help manage that Process in a very productive way, because if a lot of people are paying for something, they're gonna they're gonna that process gets managed in a productive way. If nobody's paying anything for it, it's just an open source guy on the weekend, and he says, "Yeah, I don't have time to worry about backwards compatibility today. I'm changing the API, new new version. Go, because they (laughs) only care about the new thing they're building. They don't care about the thing that you're using. That's what sustaining is about. Um, And so." You know, this is where commercial the commercial component, if, you know, so look, I, open source can be great and shiny and things like that. Latest shiny for us is actually a joke about people chasing latest shiny instead of concentrating on value. And this is a great case, right? If, if I only cared about the new, new and the open source, whatever project I'm using, that means I'm not actually using that software. The, the real thing I want is the, the stable version that I'm going to be able to build on top of and isn't shifting sands. Um, that's sustaining engineering. And for open source to get really valuable and for like Kubernetes to move into true mainstream development, it's gonna have to be solid, stable with long-term releases because nobody wants to retool every every six months or three months or three-month release cycle because somebody changed an API. Um, and
0: that's and that's a weird resistance too in the in a lot of the communities of like, well, we don't want to support, you know, long-term, like, oh man, I'm really Again, like I, I recognize the, what they're trying to defend and protect. But at the same time, it's, there's, there's another side of it. I, you and I should start a podcast. We'll call it open source closed mind. You know, like it's,
1: <laughs> we get
0: stuck in these things. Um, yeah. And I, I just, I don't know that there, there's never necessarily a right. There's not a right answer, but I think of this idea, like I, I'm seeking. The right answer is continuously changing and it's going to shift and morph.
1: Well, and this, this to me is the remarkable commercial pressure that we've been putting on, on people. Right. And, and we're seeing this and then, yeah, I I mean, I, I I hope I'm not acting like I have a ton of answers because I don't, I don't think this is easy. I desperately want open source to be successful and, and I, I love the communities and people being able to see the code and. You know, I, I, I wish that there was it was simpler for for us to take everything we build and just make it open and let people see it. Um, and we would do that if we felt like that was commercially a, a, we could we could succeed that way. Um, and we had a lot of internal fights because, you know, I grew up in, you know, open stack world where it was like open, open, open. Um, and we had to come back and say, wow, shoot, people just aren't paying for this stuff because we made it too accessible. And, that's, yeah, and sad. that's really, that makes me really sad.
0: And sometimes um, their decisions are made in service of not necessarily the correct goal, like where it's, it mm-hmm. pulls the project down, removes inertia from things because, and OpenStack is an interesting example was like every every layer of the process and the stack and the way that people communicated had to be a hundred percent open. And I, I'm, I applaud that. But at some point then you say like, well, wait a minute, you know, like really we can't use Slack cause it's not open, but everybody's using it anyways. Can so use, we pretend. Can't,
1: can't use Jira.
0: <clears throat> didn't get excited yeah.
1: about Terraform. Right. I, I can go, I can go layers of things that OpenStack felt like they had to create their own of rather than use an existing product because it was, they didn't use Git for that reason. GitHub, GitHub. Right, yeah. GitHub wasn't acceptable. And, and I, I understand the, the thinking, but that's not OpenStack's or any open project. I'm, I'm picking out OpenStack because I know it really well. Um, and I had these fights in the community and, and made these arguments and lost. Um
0: but I think there's actually been good admission in hindsight now versus like Kubernetes hasn't realized the mistakes that they're in the midst of making or have just made. Yeah. And and in two years we'll be able to play that conversation back and it'll be like, oh yeah, uh, some interesting things were done. And again, not not right or wrong, but just there's <clears throat> there are things that will happen that will shift. It's not necessarily a butterfly effect of like you know totally shifting things, but. You know, OpenStack. We've seen it play out. So when someone comes along with a brand new open source project and we're going to do this right from the start, I'm like <laughs> oh, we all no do right it right from the start. The start. That's right. Like, we all believe that mission. We all believe that goal. And at some point, you will be forced to make a decision, which will, you know, choose one part of a path. And it's like I, I again, the same thing. I, I use OpenStack as a great example, having been involved in that community for so long, and still. You know, touching it, but not as aggressively, because it itself is not even what it was before. But,
1: but this is this is where, to me, these, the foundations—and I'm not seeing this behavior. I wish I was. The foundations aren't going out and saying, "Boy, we really need to make sure that our our commercial ecosystem is thriving and healthy and defended." Um, I know people feel like in OpenStack we defended the companies a lot, but we really didn't. Um, we 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 put things, we, we opened things or forced people to open things that, that could have been kept proprietary and, and commercial. And we could just say, you know, it's core of what we do is open. But a lot of what you're going to need to do to, to run a data center, which is, once again, not a nonprofit free thing, but to run a data center, you're going to need to pay vendors or, you know, um, you know be part, you know, join this, you know, there is a commercial ecosystem. And we, we did the opposite. We told people Very forcefully, that they were going to get free software. And that was super confusing.
0: If you could look and say, what, what, you know, let's pull back to the open distro for Elastic example. What do you see as, as a danger? And what do you see as a positive of what AWS has chosen to do with open distro?
1: I see a lot more dangers than positives. Um, uh, you know, I I think that what we're, what we're seeing is that, uh, these, these big, big companies with very deep pockets are basically sending a message to the market that if we can't take this, take the IP that we need, we're going to uh, actually, we're going to take the IP we need. Um, and that, you know, you better find you better have licenses or some way to lock and protect. Um, I, I think the conversations are really good. I, I take that as a positive. Um, but I, I have a lot more concerns about Elastic as a distro. And I am assuming that they have some strategies where people are thinking through what's going to happen. Um but it's. I think that they've got a they've got a hard thing to figure out with what what they're going to now monetize. I'm not worried about Amazon monetizing, but I think. A lot- <laughs> yeah, that's the
0: the irony that they, they they they've like the the Peloton. They're responsible for taking the wind, and mm-hmm. it, it it means that you know it may tip over for them. And uh, it's the unfortunate thing, of course, is there's a there will be a distinct commercial effect on Elastic as a company. You know, and but
1: there's there's going to be a very chilling Arctic blast through the investor communities that fund a lot of the time, you know, starting creating new software is an R&D thing. It takes years to us. A year. Right. Um, and if VCs are seeing this behavior at the top, that innovation cycle is going to dry up at the bottom. And this this to me is the, the, the very chilling sign of, um, you know, we we're not innovating at the SaaS level the same way we're innovating at, you know, software first, then it's a SAS. Um, and I just don't see the rewards in market that they used to
0: have for building that. And that's a problem. And I, I guess in, in the same way, it maybe is a natural shift in that it's a, a shift we're going to have to face and that VCs are going to have to think differently about, what the viability of a, of a thing is and the turnaround time to like commercial viability buyout by like we we're going to see they're, they're going to think very early is Amazon just going to do what you did or are they going to buy you like that? That will be a very early conversation versus three years ago. It would have been like, well, they have no interest in doing it. Because they've got other problems to solve. Now they're like, yeah, they pretty much licked those problems, <laughs> and, and now this, this, this makes me super sad.
1: I, I, I want to build companies. I want to build software as a sustaining business. I don't want to build it based on what I see increasingly as the Silicon Valley pump and sell, where you know, I, I, and I know there's there are there are companies in the Valley that are building real things, but. I, it 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 feels to me looking when you're watching the stuff that you know they sort of get some shiny pop and then they sell um and and that it you know it, it takes time to build real stuff i'm sorry it just you can't just throw a, you know a hundred engineers at a problem um and solve it you know one one hundredth of the time and eric i'm gonna have to run
0: So yeah, no, it's this definitely, it's been a great conversation. Thanks very much, Rob. We, we will keep having this conversation in the community. We will keep doing stuff. So let's, let's hang tight. Of course, folks don't forget, jump in, uh, visit the big shiny, sorry, the, the latest shiny podcast. (laughs) I want to call it big shiny because it is big. Uh, great conversations, great folks. Um, you know, Rob and, and Steven and everybody that he has on are, if they're on that podcast, they're worth listening to. Uh, of course, you can come back and check out more stuff from the Disco Posse podcast and much more. Thanks again, Rob. We'll talk to you again very, very soon and, uh, we'll see this all play out. Maybe we'll revisit this in a quarter.
1: (laughs) Uh, hoping, hoping everything works out to the best. So. All right. Thanks, Eric. Perfect. Thanks. You're listening to. The disco balls hit